The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome back to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to discuss a whole slew of AEW stuff from last week. Uh, We were planning to record over the weekend and then... I didn't watch Battle of the Belts live and couldn't figure out how to watch it until yesterday. (laughs) So here we are on a Tuesday recording the stalest possible takes about all elite wrestling. Mike, why don't you get us started? Lightning round. Well, if you haven't, go back and listen to our year-end awards from last week. And I'm trying to make sure that I keep a better track of these categories throughout the year. So I'm not like, what the hell happened in January when we're in December? And uh, Joe, I think we have a match of the year candidate right off the bat in 2022 with Hangman Page, Daniel, sorry, Brian Danielson, too. Uh, I didn't think they'd be able to follow up the 60 minute draw and have me as engaged as I was in this match. And everything about this was awesome stiff violent bloody as fuck like there was a ton of blood on this i don't i don't know if you saw the picture of danielson post-match um but and like you can tell he he's just so happy with it like he's like like he just he's so happy to be here and he's so happy to be doing these type of matches joel what was what were your thoughts about this championship match and hangman finally getting a a win cut win as champion i mean we say finally it's his second title hey, defense so hey, usually if you're if you're on your second title defense you won the first one like traditionally <laughs> i mean i don't know how many how many heels in wrestling history have gotten themselves disqualified this is aw joel defense. this is aw they don't do that they don't I'm do just that saying, i'm just saying there's a whole world of wrestling out there that we can pull from for our experience <laughs> no i thought this match was great um i was impressed to to your point that they were able to create a different feel and a different flavor of match when they had just wrestled for 60 minutes. And it's like, we've seen everything they're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I love that the approach was completely different from Brian Danielson. And he clearly came in with a plan of, okay, I'm going to take this to a draw and just try to score more points over the course of this match so that the judging comes into it. They did a great job of putting that over during the match and making you think that this might actually go 60 minutes again, (laughs) which would have been insane. Um, I'm glad that it didn't. I saw people complaining. He's like, Oh, this match is kicking off the show. Why do they keep doing this? Because the time is a part of the match. Like you can't put this on. With 35 minutes left in the show. I don't understand how people are this fucking stupid. <laughs> well, like, I mean, that was my reaction initially to the first one. Yeah. Because, you know, I didn't know that it was going to go 60 minutes. I've actually completely come around on it. And I now want the biggest match on a television show to go on first. Because it's the only way that you don't know when the match is going to end. They have yet to run over. They have yet to run over. Now, I remember when raw started running over by more than like their standard five minutes Mm -hmm. and 
that actually got kind of exciting because it was like, you think you know when the show is going to end because the show always ends at this time. And then it was like, wait a second. It's 1120 and this show is still (laughs) on. Like anything can happen. And I think that's part of it, right? When you have a match that is for a big championship, it's going on first. You don't know how much time is left in the broadcast. It really does feel like anything can happen in that match. And I think that was the case here as well. Yeah, one of the things I remember from our like first year of doing this podcast, I always be like, hey, Joel, it's 940. The entrances aren't over yet. Like for the main event, we got like 15 minutes here, maybe. So yeah, it, it makes it more exciting. It, it, it definitely, you don't know when it's going to end. That's why pay-per-views are so fun because even though there is like, eh, it's probably going to be around three and a half, four hours. You don't know. There's yeah. no end time where you're like, oh, wait, they're, they're three minutes away from the end of the show. They got to get to the finish. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. If they're going to do big title matches like this, especially involving the AEW title, which is the least offended title in the company, as it you know probably should be, mm-hmm. give it the time like this and make sure that it can they have a chance to sell to- the story. And also, shows get backed up. We've seen before that things have to get cut or the main event has to finish early because someone went long in a segment or... Jericho couldn't shut the fuck up <laughs> like you know it's it's all these things so yeah I I was fine with it I I loved this match I love their chemistry they work really well together um you'd have to think this is it for now but you never know they they could come up with a way to make a hangman Danielson three sometime soon but um I I think the the point of these two matches were to really help hangman page's credibility and that's kind of a weird thing to say because we all love hangman page like we all know how good he is, but an hour and a half of wrestling basically in two matches. We talked about it after the 60 minute draw. Like it showed me stuff that I didn't know he was capable of. I didn't know that he had it in him. And now going forward, every championship match he has, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to, oh, I would be excited, but I guess what I'm trying to say is like the bar has been raised and every match going forward has a chance to be even better because we've seen him just improve, 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 improve. Agreed. I think something we also touched on in our year end episode was that Paige didn't actually do all that much in the ring in 2021. He didn't wrestle very many matches comparatively. And, you know, a lot of what he did was backstage storyline stuff. And that was all great. And I loved it. But now that he has the belt, now that he's champion, we need to see that ring cred really come up and he needs to have a sensational year holding this belt, you know, for as long as he has it, whether that's, you know, a few months or the better part of a year. So, um, yeah, I I think this was really important. And I do think, you know, it's definitive. We can move away from this. Danielson needs to find something else to do, which he will have no trouble doing. I mean, there's a zillion people for him to feud with that's compelling and interesting. Yeah. All right, Joel, and we should probably move on here, too. Um, I think the second biggest thing is the the inaugural TBS champion. And I'm going to take a big L on this. I was not a fan of the idea of Jade Cargill winning this belt. And I texted you yesterday. She looks legit with it. Like, she just looks so badass. Like, there's just something about when you put the belt on someone for the first time and you see what they look like with it. And she just looks so legit. Um, and the match with Ruby Soho, I, I was, was really good. 
Um, I, the dynamic of their size and power differences, I think, was done really well. And uh, the the pictures of her with her daughter post match brought a brought a tear to my eye. She's I'm supposed to hate Jade, and out here she's having me clapping her matches and making me feel things. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, I I think she just looks right holding a championship. And part of it is her whole presentation, right? She looks like a star and treating her like a star is the correct thing to do. I don't care if her ring work is 100% there yet. That takes time. And that's why mid-card belts exist Mm -hmm. so that you can put them on people who need to develop more, but keeps them in the spotlight and keeps them, you know, elevating their star power and using their star power to bring the whole division up. Uh, not everybody who got the United States championship and the other wrestling company was ready for the big time when they got it, but it helps to bring them along and develop them and make them seem more legitimate. Funny you use the U S title, not the IC title. <laughs> just, just in my head. I was well, like, always I mean, had the, the IC of, title above the U S title. Yeah. But the, the pedigree of those belts is very different, right? I mean, because you kind of had the reverse situation in the other wrestling company where the best wrestler doesn't hold the main title, the you know the the top star does but not the best wrestler and then Mm -hmm. the best wrestler would always have the ic belt you know that's how it was for a long time and you know still is to an extent um but AEW it doesn't work that way like the the top stars get the top belts and then you know your your people who are down a rung are feuding for the tnt and tbs championships so Mm uh i I think it makes sense for her to have this and i think she's great as an inaugural champion um in part just because she's going to look so legit every time she comes out of the title with that belt and it's made a bunch of uh you know racists online mad her winning (laughs) and i just think that's fantastic so um, i mean i mean racists will always be angry online so it's just it's just you know it is what it is but yeah and i what i took from this match joel is we when we talk about the roster growing and how all they bring in all these new people um they they put someone who you could call a homegrown star over what we thought was going to be a and what could still be a really impactful signing when they of in, in ruby soho um you know, she lost her inaugural match with, you know, her first title match with Britt Baker. Uh, we, I was convinced that she was going to win this belt. So for them to put this kind of raw younger star over the established veteran, um, I think is a big deal. And we've kind of seen how AEW has handled this in the men's division with all the incoming people coming in. We just saw Hangman Page go over Danielson. We've seen CM Punk put on great matches with not just the top guys, younger guys. So um, I think this is just kind of their overall strategy on how they want to kind of mix in, you know, the younger homegrown quote unquote talent with the people they bring in and kind of curious where, where Ruby Soho goes from here. seems like they they're teasing something else with Britt Baker based off of some of the, the backstage stuff we saw. So I wouldn't be opposed to running that back or maybe something with Jamie Hayter, which they seem to be teasing a breakup there. So I don't know, but yeah, big thumbs up excited for this. Uh, I'm, I'm going into the, the Jade championship brain with an open mind and I'm ready to, to, to go all in. And Joel, you were right. I'll, <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> I wasn't going to make you say it. Uh, uh, I know, but I, that, I, I just want people to know that I can 
I can do that when the time comes. Well, uh, <laughs> there's a lot to get to, uh, so we can move on. Uh, something I wanted to talk about, and I, I don't know, I feel like I've said this before, so maybe this is wrong. Did we get our first DQ in AEW history on Dynamite? With what? I'm blanking. CM Punk and MJF. Oh, it might have been. It might have been. Punk came in and <laughs> blasted Sean Dean. Sean Dean is awarded the victory and MJF takes an L. Uh, and it was, I, I think, you know, the first DQ finish that we've seen in the company. And, uh, you know, it, it it's, seems... It's definitely, it's def- if it's not the first, it's like one of a handful. I, I can't think of any others, but the fact that we're two and a half years in and we're blown away that we have a DQ finish, I think is mm-hmm. <laughs> a positive from what we were conditioned to in the past. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, I don't mean that as a negative thing, uh, but I think, you know, that was the second thing that I thought of. The first thing that I thought of was like, man, I thought Sean Dean was going to get to do something on television. <laughs> and, you know, instead he kind of had his moment stolen. Now he's made a lot out of it on on twitter and yeah talking about you know he has a victory over mjf <laughs> yeah getting a t-shirt made because he beat mjf and uh i think that's great but sean dean is somebody who i was excited about when i first saw him wrestling on dark back in the early days of aew and i think he's got a lot of talent i'd like to see more of him and you know there's there's a lot of other guys who are in a similar circumstance and um you know, I complained recently on the pod about the CM Punks and Brian Danielsons of the world eating up time and a lot of other talent not having room. And then it was kind of funny to me that this segment happened on the very next episode of Dynamite. Like, <laughs> oh, of course, here's Sean Dean about to get a match. And then here's CM Punk, you know, yeah. stealing that moment. So. From, from the CM Punk MJF storyline, I really loved this. Because yeah. basically, like, MJF has said, I need to get wins so I can get a title match. Like he's been having matches, more matches lately than we're used to because he wants to get into the title picture. So for Punk to just purposely fuck with him like this, it's so Punk too. Cause like Sean Dean's a good guy. CM Punk is considered like a face. And he's, he basically was like, sorry, bro. Like you <laughs> <laughs> sorry, bro, Sean Dean. So I, it, it was, it was, it was fun. I like, this story i like what they're doing um and yeah i think they're going to drag this out to revolution now because we're already you know about midway through january with not a match in sight we're getting cm punk Wardlow tomorrow night joel so i know that you must be so excited for that yeah i'm really excited for that that little jerk from chicago to get his ass whipped so <laughs> exactly exactly where joel next thing i wanted to talk about um Tag team titles. We got to change. Yes. Kind of, I wasn't expecting it. And congrats to Jungle Boy for finally winning a meaningful match. He's the king of not winning in big moments. So uh, this, just, this was just a culmination of what they've done with Christian, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus over the last six to eight months. Um, it felt like, you know, I, I still felt there was more stories that the Lucha Brothers could have done as champions. Um, Because it seems like they only really feuded, like had a legit feud with FTR, and that was kind of it. 
Like I can't think of any longer term things they did as champions. So the it's a little weird there, but I am happy for Jungle Boy. Like it's just cool seeing him with a belt. And if you're gonna be called one of the four pillars of the company, like get some gold on the kid at some point. Like felt like I think everyone else they have listed as a pillar is held gold. Yeah. So I, I think MJF hasn't, but he has his ring. Yeah. So I, I think something we talked about recently is eventually we're going to start seeing shorter title reigns in mm-hmm. AEW. And this, I think, is indicative of that. The tag title is the title that has had the shortest reigns um, out of any of them. I think SCU um, was a pretty short title reign. Uh, definitely didn't hit three digits. 83 uh, days for SCU. Yeah. FTR was 63 days. Yep. Um Page and Omega were with 220, uh, Young Bucks 300, but even the Lucha Bros 122 days. Yeah. So, so I mean, they had it for longer than you think, but yeah. still, it didn't feel like they did a lot. You're correct, and they got kind of tied up in some non-tag title stuff. And you know, I think the the difficulty with travel involving Pack kind of throws mm-hmm. them off as well. Um, and now, of course, you know, Phoenix unfortunately got injured towards the finish of this match. I wondered in the moment if the plan was not for Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to win this match. And if that was a quick change based off of the injury, I don't think that's the case. I do think it was the plan for them to go mm-hmm. over. Uh, but there's always that possibility because that was shortly before the match ended. And... Phoenix very clearly signaled that he was hurt almost immediately. Yeah, I am proud of myself. I, you warned me. I didn't didn't watch when it happened. Didn't see the replay. I am squeamish beyond belief, and seeing stuff like that will just make me not want to watch wrestling anymore. So, yay me! I missed it. It was gross. <laughs> yeah. I. So in real time, it didn't look that bad. And then I saw him replaced. on the ground pointing to his elbow, like frantically pointing to his elbow. And I was like, oh, crap, I think he's hurt. And so then I did watch the replay because I wanted to see, like, what happened? How bad was it? Not from a, like, I like to watch injuries perspective, but just out of concern. And, like, I want to know how bad this was. And I saw it start. And I was like, oh, God, no. Nope. And looked away. It's horrible. So, so uh, glad to hear that nothing was broken. Um, yeah, even even and, avoiding major injury, like he's probably still going to be out for a bit. Um, and yeah, so I think with the tag team titles, you know, you have so many teams in the division, like they made a point to bring out the tag team division at the end of this show to kind of show you here are all the people that they can now defend against. Um, and, you know, I'm not upset when the tag titles get changed because a lot of times there's not as, you know, it's not as much stories. It's more about the the matches, the spots, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I wonder maybe with, with Phoenix out, maybe we'll see Penta be more involved and maybe he'll face Sammy Guevara while he's interim champion or something like that. Like, it'd be cool to see Pentagon be in some of these bigger spots because we know he's capable of it. Hell, Hangman Page Pent- Pentagon sounds pretty damn good, if you ask me. So, yeah, I don't have any problem with that. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, great match. New champions. Joel, let's start really flying through some stuff here. What else you got for me? Oh, since you just mentioned it, let's talk about the interim TNT championship. Dustin mm-hmm. Rhodes and Sammy Guevara had a great match. 
Uh, this was on Battle of the Belts replacement for Cody versus Sammy. Um, I just want to say I love interim titles. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's such a cool thing rather than stripping the person of the title and saying you have to relinquish this. No, they're still the champion, but we're going to have an interim champion and then we'll have a unification match whenever that person is able to compete again. Because now we have this promised match in the future that we know we're going to get, but it allows Sammy to have a title to defend in the meantime and mm-hmm. have good matches. We don't know how long Cody's going to be unavailable. Nothing's really been talked about with regards to that. So, you know, Sammy is going to be defending his interim championship next week. And I guess technically this week. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see is, you know, how is this going to develop and are we going to get, sammy and cody or is it going to be cody and somebody else whenever he's available and comes back Mm -hmm. so uh excited about this one yeah they 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 turned the negative into a positive you know not you know like we're not going to have cody our champion for a little bit you could just say hey sammy's just going to wrestle someone else for shits and giggles at battle of the belts but now no now we have this fun thing we can follow for the next few weeks get sammy back in a spot where he's having show off matches with talent across the you know up and down the card. And then, like you said, we're promised this title match at some point that we have in our back pocket for when it's ready. So yeah, I, I, I'm cool with this. I love Sammy. I really wanted to see Cody and Sammy go, but, uh, early spot of the year for me with, uh, Dustin with the Canadian destroyer through the table is picture. Perfect. Yeah. And Dustin's what he's like 50. (laughs) Like (laughs) he's in his fifties. Yes, In his fifties. So Go Dustin. That's awesome. Crazy spot. Loved it. Um, I want to talk about real quick. Uh, this is, I'm going to have to clean this up because I forgot what I wanted to talk about. Joel, do you have something? <laughs> yeah. So a match that I really, really enjoyed was uh, Jake Atlas and Adam Cole on Rampage. I had never seen Jake Atlas perform before. I've heard a lot about him and uh, just immediately love this dude. Uh, his whole presentation, his demeanor, uh, it's really, really great. And he can back it up. He moves really well, especially for a guy with more size than -hmm. most of the wrestlers in AEW. Um, he's very athletic and acrobatic and, uh, it's a bummer that he hurt his knee in this match and is going to miss some time. We don't know when we're going to see him again. Um, but whenever we do, I think he made enough of an impression in this one match with Adam Cole that uh, the future is bright for, for Jake Atlas and uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah. And the nice thing is that apparently he signed a contract like days before. So, you know, you get some guarantees in there, maybe a little help with uh, the rehab and yeah, it's better than blowing out your knee without a contract. Um, Yeah. Uh, One thing I wanted to talk about, Joel, and I texted about this. I really love the interview segment with Jr. and Serena Deeb. Yeah. Uh, this week, they're just making her into such a, a badass and just someone you hate. Like her asking JR, JR, is there anyone on my level? And him just, no. Like she's, she's great. Her look is great. Um, her and Sheeta have both really stepped up their character work here during this feud. Like they're both, they just have more dimension to them than they had before. Like both, we always called really good wrestlers. We don't really see much from on, um, anything else and we've seen promos from Sheeta. we've seen these interview segments i'm just really excited with this and this match is going to be i can't wait like 
It's going to be awesome. Props to both of them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. This is one of those feuds that elevates both competitors and not just in terms of people's esteem of them, but I think is actually making them both better at what they do. And uh, that's what you want to see. I really, really enjoy these two. And I'm looking forward to match number four in this yeah, series. They sure just, man, we should just, should just made it like a best of seven. Like, yeah, well, and I just don't <laughs> give a damn how many times they've faced each other. I've said it before. I could watch them wrestle every week and I don't think I would get bored. If they said tomorrow, hey, we're going to do a best of seven starting now. Bring it. Bring it. Give me 11 total matches between these two. Um, it, it would be amazing. Uh, Joel, something I wanted to touch on um, is the tension between Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and uh, kind of where that's going. It, it seems more pronounced lately. Uh, they've been in each other's faces. There's, there's this thing with the belt post-match where she kind of ripped it away from Serena, gave it to to uh brit i they kind of this has been going on for a while and it's kind of mimicking our wardlow mjf thing where it's like you're here to help me like don't nothing else matters but um do you think we get this explosion anytime soon or is this going to take two years to break up just like wardlow and mjf <laughs> i mean it's it's eerily similar and uh the whole bit with with Rebel and Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker has been an interesting dynamic because Rebel doesn't seem to ever care or react to any of the antics of, of Britt Baker and the, you know, kind of meanness and humiliation that she puts them through. And uh, Jamie Hayter clearly is not going to take that. So Mm -hmm. it's a very different reaction. And uh, the, it's the little things like, dropping the belt on the ground and uh you know not ever doing the dmd hand sign and you know she's clearly not into it um she's going along presumably because she's being paid in terms Mm -hmm. of kayfabe but like (laughs) beyond that why is she there and what are her motivations and i think that's an interesting question that we have yet to get the answer to And I'm looking forward to her becoming more of a character moving forward. Uh, There's only so much that you can do without getting on the microphone and talking. We know she can talk. Mm -hmm. So um, hopefully we'll get to see more of that as this relationship continues to devolve. Yeah. Yeah. And we know she can bring it in the ring. So like, like you said, I'm excited to see what else she's capable of. And they seem to be really high on her. You know, you don't bring someone in and pair them with the champion right off the bat. If you don't have, you know, some real interest in developing them going forward. So yeah, agreed. Well, the, uh, the main character of AEW had a match on rampage. And of course I'm talking about hook. Um, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was up pretty late last night. So my brain was like, what is he talking about? Okay. <laughs> yes. Hook. <laughs> Hook rules and yeah. end of segment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously though, I mean, if, if hook, wanted to challenge Sammy Guevara for the interim title. Um, I'd be all for it. Uh, I would love to see. And of course it would be sad for Sammy because he would, you know, lose the belt that he had just won again. Um, but that's what would happen. And it, it just, it was, it's sad, but it's true. Uh, <laughs> how is he this good? I don't understand. I mean, I, 
Taz is his dad, man. He's probably been doing suplexes since he came out of the womb. Like, like he's probably suplex nurses or something. He cut his own umbilical cord with his teeth. Like, when your dad's a human suplex machine, you got to get some of it, you would think. Um, but yeah, it just goes in. He's probably been training since he was a teenager, like, because he, he's pretty young. Um, he he also single he, like single-handedly took out the uh, the factory way faster than Cody ever did. So go, <laughs> go hook. You're already better than uh, the golden boy. Um, yeah. It, it's just, it's cool to see the crowds really into him. Like it, it seems like it was a meme at first, like, Hey, look, send hook, but it's like, he backed it up. It's, it's, we don't usually see in wrestling when fans hype something up so much where it becomes a meme that it actually delivers. And, and Hook has delivered. And like I got him like, you gotta treat Hook like a special attraction. You can't have Hook on TV every week. Like you can't have him wrestle every week. Like you gotta save it. You gotta get the big pops. And I'm like, what the fuck am I talking about? It's Hook. <laughs> <laughs> like, but it's it's the thing that's been running through my head with him ever since he debuted. <sighs> and if he's just gonna be on Rampage every week kicking people's asses, I'm totally fine with it. Um, and it's weird because like the kind of positioning Hook as like a face with his interactions with like the factory this week while team Taz is just a bunch of shitheads who never win. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely evening up the win loss column for them. Oh yeah. In a big way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brian cage has nothing on hook. Um, yeah. I love the way that QT Marshall was like talking crap about him. And then, he got face to face and of course QT begged off and was like, no, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And uh, then took a swing at him, which of course hook anticipated and mm-hmm. countered. And it's, he's really, really good and has no business being as good as he is. And no. the whole presentation though, like it's the little stuff, it's the character work without ever getting on the mic and saying a word. We still understand the perspective of his character and where he's coming from. And that's impressive to me. One thing I've noticed is that it just, his, his, his facial expressions, like he's kind of a really good control of that Mm -hmm. early, which we talked about before. Like that's one of the things that with Dante Martin, like, yeah, he's an incredible wrestler, but he's had to improve, which he did over the last year, his, his face, his selling, you know, the grimace when he's in a, in a submission, stuff like that. And they're just, yeah, he seems to just have it like mm-hmm. I, I, it is overrated, but I think he has it. So, um, speaking of team Taz, Joel, uh, I liked how, uh, bleh, Ricky Starks, um, defended the FTW championship. It's been a while. And I liked the reasoning for choosing Matt Seidel as a message to Dante Martin and, Joel, what's your favorite thing you like to say? Wrestlers in street clothes look badass. Dante Martin and just his pant, like black jeans and the yellow AEW shirt looked super cool. Just flying around the ring in the post-match like brawl. Like mm-hmm. this was cool. Um, I want this Dante Martin powerhouse Hobbs match. So freaking bad. So freaking bad. I, well, I mean, good news. We're getting it. I know. I know. I just, I want it now. <laughs> like I want it now. Um, and I joked like he's going to th- like Hobbs is going to throw Dante Martin out of the arena and I can't wait. Um, but yeah, I, even if team Taz is always going to lose, at least they're doing interesting stuff. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's a bunch of charismatic people that I like all in a group together. So, you know, it, it's, 
I'm always excited when Ricky Starks is doing something. I'm always excited when Will Hobbs is doing something. This is a group that I really care about a lot. And despite the fact that they're ostensibly positioned as heels, I want to cheer for them. I want to see them win and be successful. So I also like the second, third, fourth act from Taz. I don't even, I don't even know what to call it at this point, but I, I love Taz, the manager. I love Taz, the commentator. I love Taz, the sports analyst breaking down the moves. Maybe it's because like when I first, like when I, I had my only one stint, like absence from professional wrestling when I was like eight through 11. And when I came back, Taz was doing commentary on SmackDown. So maybe it's just like the nostalgia in me being like, I always love Taz. I love this little short guy flipping people and everything. So I, I just love seeing it. And I really like, it's not like with Jericho. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You, no one cares what you have to say. Like, I'm like, yeah, Taz on the microphone every single week. Give it to me. And, you know, Ricky Starks has been really good as the Mm -hmm. third chair on Rampage. And I've really enjoyed his contributions. It took him a few weeks to figure it out and to get good at it. But I I like him on commentary so much more than Jericho, simply because he doesn't eat up all the air. You know, Mm -hmm. that you're the third chair. You know, when, when Jericho's on there, you're the third chair it should mostly be the other two people talking. So. Yeah. And speaking of Ricky Starks, I think of like, if I look at the Ross as a whole, as a whole, he's who I'm most excited about to see what happens in 2022. Like I like him as FTW champion, but I would really love to see him compete for other titles or get in feuds with some higher up the rungs. Like God, see him punk Ricky Starks. I know they teased it. Give me that. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see this guy work. I want to see this guy talk. And I have yeah. to believe they're saving that. Like, oh, it's money, dude. It's money. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it'd be so freaking huge once they do it. So, yeah. God, weird love fest for Team Taz. That's why I call them losers every single <laughs> week. <laughs> Hook changes everything. He's flipped the script. <laughs> All right. The last thing that I wanted to talk about uh, was the AEW Women's Championship match that headlined battle of the belts and uh, we saw Britt baker retain against riho in a match that just was dramatically different from the first time these two met for the championship back when riho was champion way 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 back and it, mm-hmm. it just spoke to how much those two both have developed and improved um i remember thinking like Riho is really talented, but she needs to slow down a little bit. And of course, Britt Baker, we've talked about her improvement in the ring and as a character. I think this really showcased how much these two have improved and how much the division overall has improved. Like these are two Mm -hmm. legit, excellent workers duking it out for the top championship in the division. And it just feels right. It feels correct. Yeah, and this also continues the trend of Britt Baker's championship matches just kind of one-upping each other. You know, we've talked about her. She's upgraded after every every championship bout she had where it's things are looking a little cleaner, looking a little more impactful. Um, And yeah, Rio, same thing. You know, this is, I think, Rio's best match in AEW so far. Um, It's definitely up there for Britt Baker. Um, It's just also nice having Rio back on TV regularly. I there's been weird stuff with the pandemic and her moving. So glad to have her back. Um, They could do this one again. And I would, I would not complain. Like 
give me give me this match in a few weeks if you really want to. Like I'll I'll be just as happy. Um, I I am getting a little tired of Baker always winning with interference on the outside, and like it'd be nice to get her in a match where it's like, hey, it's a steel cage, no one can help you, like something like that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, also talking about length of title reign, she's definitely I think she's the longest reigning champion in AW right now. It's been, that is correct. Yeah, definitely. it's been what June, so it's been like eight nine months. So, well, considering all the other championships have changed hands within the last exactly. three months, I mean, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. When did Ricky Starks get the FTW championship? Oh, uh, that's not recognized. I recognize it. Well, you're the only one because as Taz has talked about on numerous occasions, it's not recognized. So, <laughs> well, Joel, I I think I've run out of things to talk about. Um, yeah, we'll get back to our normal routine this week i say that but i can't record tomorrow so i have to record on thursday this is the last week joel after this week i can get back to recording wednesday nights after dynamite so yeah right in the middle of college basketball season when i am least likely to be available to record on wednesday nights we'll figure it out thursdays it is well at least thursday will be better than tuesday (laughs) like like I got to talk to you twice this week. Fuck. Well, you know, it was a good idea initially to record after battle of the belts. It was. It and was. then I had to decide between watching battle of the belts live or watching hard to kill. And I watched hard to kill. And I'm very glad that that's what I watched <laughs> live. Cause that pay-per-view was amazing. It's okay. I, I watched the Cowboys uh, destroy the Eagles on Saturday night. So I, I too did not watch battle of the belts live. So, um, I forgive you for it, Joel. Uh, so guys, you can follow us Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show, Twitter at, you know what on Twitter, if you just type in the other wrestling show, it works. I'm not going to do the OWS pod anymore. Just go look the other wrestling show up on Twitter. It's there. You don't need the OWS underscore pod. Uh, and you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, tune in Apple podcasts, Stitcher, wherever we, you have, wherever you get your podcast, we're there. Go subscribe, listen to it. Obviously, you're listening to it. Um, and yeah, Joel, anything to say before I venture out into the 12 degree weather here in Boston? Uh, join the Dark Order. Join. Oh, I had to hit the button. Join the Dark Order. <laughs> We're rusty. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.